Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Gills Talk. Today's featured Gills Club Scientist interview is with Rachel Scherer. She works for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission where she is working with the species of sawfish in tracking and sampling this species along the Florida coastline. So although they do look very shark-like when you do look at them, they are actually rays. So how you distinguish a ray from a shark is that their gills and their mouths are found on the underside of their bodies. So the reason why they do have this name of the sawfish is because they have what's called a rostrum. This rostrum is a long, flat snout. Its edges are lined with these little teeth, which looks like a saw, hence why they are called the sawfish. So something that is very distinguishable with this species is that they can get very long. They can get up to 16 feet in length and they can likely live for several decades. So being an animal that does grow so large and can live for many decades does provide a very important role within our ecosystems. But unfortunately, the small tooth sawfish is an endangered species here in the United States, but as well as those other areas where they are found off of the Caribbean waters. Now, some reasons why they do face these threats of endangerment is because of their habitat loss. So when a juvenile sawfish is growing, it does live in these shallow estuarine habitats that has vegetation and red mangroves, and they serve as this area where these baby sawfish can grow to become adult sawfish. But unfortunately, with a lot of waterfront development, their areas where they would grow up are being taken away from them. So this is one reason why they are an endangered species. So this is going to be a really great eye-opening interview about this species and the work that is being done off the coast of Florida. I hope you enjoy. Today on the Gills Club podcast, we have Rachel Scherer. She is one of our Gills Club scientists, and I'm very excited to be able to interview her today and to be able to get to know her more. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. To kick off the interview, um, what is your current research focused on? I currently work for the state of Florida, Florida Fish and Wildlife, and I'm currently researching small tooth sawfish, basically uh, movement and like population dynamics. Being able to work with small tooth sawfish, they are a more impacted species, definitely, um, specifically out of Florida and as well as in the Keys and such. Um, so how does them working with that species help maybe with those protections? So one of the joys about my job and one of the coolest parts is that we get to do research that contributes to the recovery of this species. So all of our research you know, gets put into play in some part of recovery, whether it's protecting the habitat or, you know, seeing how how to protect the nurseries or um, just different things like that. You previously did mention that um, being able to learn more about the species that is becoming more and more endangered. Has there ever been a, like... It um, is an endangered species. Yes, it is an endangered species. Um, being yeah. able to have that aha moment or a favorite, like, discovery moment that you've had be able to study yeah so one of my favorite things that i've learned um, since i've been at this job has to do with a study where we use genetics for those of you who don't know we take a fin clip to look at dna when we catch sawfish 
so DNA allows us to look at how fish might be related. So if we took some of your genetics, we would be able to tell who your siblings are and who your parents are. It doesn't hurt them all. Um, so then we take the spin clip and we look at their DNA. Now we work in some, a place called Charlotte Harbor Estuary and there are two rivers within the estuary and we know that both of these rivers are nurseries. And what we didn't know is that moms, specific moms were only going back to one river. So, and they were doing so for long periods of time. Like there were several that went, returned to these rivers over 10 year periods. And that to me was just, you know, so cool that you're not only, they're not even switching up the rivers, you know, they're coming back to this estuary and going to a specific river. Yes, that is right. that is super interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. It's called phylopatry. Sorry, this I'm sorry. This is called phylopatry. Oh yes, um, yes. Awesome. Yeah, I think that is. I mean, being able for I mean for a shark in general to know where to go back every single mm-hmm. year, like that's something that I'm always so fascinated with because you see this in other habits between other species as well and just like how do they know like that is just something that unfortunately we can't we don't have that science yet to figure out how exactly they know how to do that but um especially like the harbor you wouldn't necessarily even expect that because the harbor has two rivers within it so seeing that you know these are two individual nurseries um, and then that helps us with management. Like they need to be treated as individual nurseries when we're looking at population growth and such. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's actually really, really incredible. Being able um, to work with the species, what are these challenges do you face as a scientist? Of course, probably one of the biggest um, challenges as a scientist that we face is finding funding. Now, I think we're lucky enough, um, we have funding specifically that for endangered species for state workers. Um, however, we have like, there's we work for the state, but we don't have any state money to do our research. And then um, even though we have this funding, it's constantly getting cut. Something else that is really challenging is we don't always necessarily um, make as much money as some of our uh, <laughs> co-workers um, in federal positions. And as a, but as a state worker, it does open the door for many early career scientists, but there's a lot of turnover and stuff. So turnover is also a big part, something that we deal with. Um, you know, you're constantly having to retrain people. Yeah, and I know a lot of scientists, female scientists specifically, deal with a lot of discrimination. I feel like I have not dealt with that too much, and especially I'm a small woman. And the only time I've really even encountered it was in uh, as an undergraduate, and it was from another woman. And I felt that was a good lesson for me learning, you know, to uplift your coworkers or your peers, especially um, other women. Absolutely, um, I can fullheartedly stand behind you on that to uplift mm-hmm. everybody. To be able mm-hmm. to have that support definitely goes that long way. But with that funding that maybe sometimes you can receive or don't receive, especially with mm-hmm. budget cuts and such, um, if you did have that extra funding to do a research project or maybe expand on something that you and your group are already doing, what would you spend it on? Oh, gosh. I think um, for our first 
personally for our group, I think we'd probably be supplementing income to make sure our, you know, people can stay as long as um, we can. You know, we've, we've built a great team. People are constantly leaving. But research-wise, um, I think we'd probably just spend it on, like, the latest technology or doing things that aren't necessarily like travel related that we're not necessarily able to do right now and not having to think about it. You know, we also have the Southfish Encounter hotline. And so we're constantly getting calls about where Southfish are around the state. So if we see, hear something, you know, about a really cool encounter, you know, we could just pick up and, you know, go tag a fish or go try and attempt to tag a fish if we had, you know, um, unlimited funding. Um, can you expand on that hotline there? Um, just if we have anyone that is in the Florida area listening to be able to have that information would be awesome to be able to yes. get to them. I am so silly that I did not talk about it before. <laughs> um, so we, well, it's actually the selfish recovery team is all involved in the encounter hotline. So it's a place where people can call or email us and um, just report their, it's either a sighting or a capture, either one, and we document it and we ask a ton of questions for, our, you know, science purposes and helping with recovery about, you know, where did you, um, where did you see it or, you know, what did you catch it with and, we're actually, so FWC has been housing it for a while now, and we're actually moving to a new database. Um, it's still internal, but um, we're very excited about that. And it should be, it'll be online one day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and the email address for that is just sawfish at myfwc.com. And I'm going to check on the phone number because I don't want to give you the wrong phone number. <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole selfish recovery team is really involved in that. The phone number is one eight four 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 selfish. So I'll give you that again at the end. Awesome, thank um, you. Yeah, that's one of like our you know biggest you know, outreach and um, just trying to get people to call in. It's been a really big help for necropsies. Um, specifically because I think the more we get the word out, the more people to know to call in and our number of necropsies has increased in the past few years. That's really good. We can learn a lot about a, a deceased sawfish. Can you explain maybe what goes involved in a necropsy to a listener that maybe wouldn't know much about what goes in into that and what scientists can learn? So one of the biggest challenges about a necropsy is uh, getting getting the fish or getting to the fish. So if it's in decent condition and it's not um, too decomposed, we'll bring it back to the lab. And if it is really decomposed, we're probably going to work it up in the field. Um, so what happens first is we're going to take a ton of pictures and a ton of measurements and just document everything because you know, out externally about the fish that we can. And then we will flip it ventrally. After all the picture, we know we know the sex of it. We know all the lengths. 
um, we'll flip it over eventually and start cut on um, making an incision. And then, so it's kind of like a dissection, but we call it a necropsy because, you know, it's like an autopsy on an animal. Mm-hmm. So then we'll harvest any organs that are, you know, in decent condition and we'll take samples of, you know, the liver, the kidney, the heart, the stomach. We've published a lot of papers on parasites. Um, I also did my thesis on vertebrae. So, you know, all of these organs can help us learn new things about sawfish. Having those necropsies or necropsies um, available and then for you to be able then to learn more about that species as a whole, um, it definitely helps to further understand that full species, being able to study, you know, their internal anatomy and, you know, part, parts of their liver. So, you know, scientists like you can further help, you know, save that's that species. So thank you so much for getting into detail to that to people that might not know. We've talked a lot of work about um, sawfish right now, um, but is there a shark species that is on your bucket list to see or study? Um, well, first of all, sawfish are actually not sharks. They are rays. I just want to clarify that. Yes, this um, is true. I was like, I was waiting for, I was like, we need to talk about that. So thank you for for saying that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, I think I would love to see crawfish in other parts of the world. If I wasn't looking or going to study sawfish, I'd really love to see a whale shark in the wild. They're just so um, giant and gentle and majestic. We had one wash up here a few years ago, and it was just, it was a juvenile, and it was just incredible. They are. They are such a cool species i've never seen one in the wild but i i did a trip to the atlanta aquarium in georgia back in college and was able to see them there so now it's inspired me i was like i have to go out and see them um i know yes (laughs) i've been there too yeah they are just so cool yes they are um our education director here maryam long she did a trip overseas to be able to swim with them a few years back and then I still envy her to this day <laughs> with that with that trip. You know, to really be able to work in a very unique environment, I'm working with this species. Is there something that maybe you didn't expect about this position? You know, I felt I don't think I've had that many surprises as far as being a scientist. I felt like I came in pretty well prepared. I mean, in high school, I was volunteering with turtles and scooping turtle poop and I thought it was the coolest thing so I that's one thing I would love I try to encourage younger the younger generation just get as much experience as you have because you know this job is hard and you got to make sure you want to be in this field um absolutely for sure um something that I didn't expect is there's politics involved sometimes and I really wasn't um expecting that sometimes there's a lot of different opinions and you know even though you publish something someone might not agree with your results and I I wasn't prepared for that yeah I think that would be something that people really wouldn't expect within the science world is having that politics you know you you do your study you do your research and then you 
publish your findings and on to the next one. But unfortunately, yeah. um, just like with a lot of things now currently in our world, um, it can be politics led and driven. It's hard. And like, even when you're, you know, you put papers in to get reviewed and stuff, sometimes, you know, you just, these two, person has a totally a different outlook on this paper. And you're like, oh, okay. I, and I mean, that's the point of peer review, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, what makes it, what makes the science better, but it is, it is interesting and it's, it's hard, you know, it's definitely hard to publish papers. Well, it's a round out our interview today, everything so far has just been so fascinating. So again, thank you for sharing all this, but what would, what advice would you give to your younger self being now all the experience that you have now? So I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm, you know, I'm starting to become a little bit older in my job and seeing a lot of new younger people come in. And I was always a person with a lot of anxiety. And I remember early in my career, um, just getting very upset easily and wondering if I was doing a good job, wondering if people liked me. And now what I realize is that nobody really wants to see you fail. Most of the time, people aren't even like typically thinking about you. You know, when I, when I see someone struggle, I really try to give them encouragement because I don't want to see them struggle. I don't want to see them fail. You know, so try to think of the world like that is that the world is not against you. You know, try not to take things personally um, because more than likely, whatever the person who you think is, you know, judging you or, you know, criticizing you, um, they're probably not. And they're probably thinking about like French toast or something or, (laughs) you know, like, it's just shocked me that after all these years, I was like, oh, like, I don't want to see, you know, this new person learning to trailer. Like, you know, I can see her struggling, but like, I want her to do well. And I want her to, you know, just take a deep breath and whatever the task is that you're doing. And like, criticism is never personal. Um, most of the time, you know, I'm sure there are situations where it is, but there's so much criticism that happens in biology. You know, you have to submit papers to your peers, to your bosses, and then they rip it apart and it is not personal. So, sorry, that was quite a few things, but there's just, it's been on my mind a lot lately and. Yeah, no, no need to apologize. I think that is great advice. For anyone to be able to follow, if not if they're not even in the science field, you know that. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. That everyone does want want to see you succeed, and if someone doesn't, well, it's probably a person you don't want to be associating with, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. again, before we do wrap up, is there social media for yourself or for your lab that you would like people to follow to keep up to date with the saltfish research? FWC really handles all of the social media aspects. Um, so if you want, you can go to my, it's usually under my FWC. I think Facebook is my FWC Florida Fish and Wildlife, or I think it's the Fish and Wildlife, FWC Fish and Wildlife Research Institute. I believe they also have like Instagram and Twitter, um, but our lab specifically doesn't have a page. They just manage 
uh, our social media as a whole. Well, we will make sure oh. um, to have people go out and follow that. So please email us at sawfish at myfwc.com or one eight four 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 sawfish if you see or encounter a sawfish. In normal times, we do take volunteers over 18 if you live in the Charlotte Harbor area, but because of COVID, we're not. So in the future, in normal times, please let us know if you'd like to volunteer. I'm sure people will be able to look that up once COVID is done, and that will go really well with that advice that you said earlier and being able to get to get involved um so that is one yeah. way that you can get involved if you are interested um in what is going on here there in florida well thank you so much rachel all right thank you so much Kristen. thank you again for rachel sharer to be able to come on and talk about her research with sawfish again if you do live in the state of florida and you do see a sawfish or accidentally catch one, please do report that sighting to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And again, that email that you can use is sawfish at myfwc.com. And the telephone number that you can call in is one 844 sawfish And that number again is 844 844- four seven two nine three four seven so again thank you all for listening to this interview with rachel share have a great week everyone and continue to be inspired explore and learn